Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orda. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports, athletes, and other athletes, and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so here we are with uh, Beaver Fleming, professional skateboarder, Nitro Circus athlete, um, man of God, huge story coming out of Knoxville, Tennessee, um, by way of California. Uh, you've been all over the world. You're motivational speaking. You are just doing big things, man, and we love seeing it, and we're so happy to have you here. We just want to capture your story. So tell us about you, man. Tell us about the beginnings, where you came from. Let's hear it. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's an honor to be on here. I'm just thankful for any opportunity to kind of share my story. And if it encourages one person, then job well done. So I'm just thankful for your guys' support having me on here. And um, yeah, my story is totally unique and beautiful. And I think that's really the God story that uh, God has planned for every single person on this beautiful earth, that each person has a unique story. As we all know, we all have a unique set of eyes, a unique set of fingerprints, and there's a purpose that we have on the inside of us that no one else carries. And so the more we trust God in that, the more he's able to do in and through our lives. And my life is really just a testimony of, um, what you can do, what can happen when you trust God with all your heart. We know the, we know the verse in Proverbs three, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And so for me, that journey began when I found skateboarding, really. Um, I grew up in a beautiful family, Christian family. We would go to church on Sunday and it was the typical Southern Baptist thing. And I'm reading the Bible for myself and I'm, I'm like, man, I really believe that God wants to do something in my life. I really believe and have a faith of something different and not doing the normal kind of Tennessee protocol, which was, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you get married, you have kids and you kind of settle down. I wasn't wired that way. I was wired of more of a kind of just pioneer in a sense, really, for lack of a better way. I wanted to see if I could create a life out of my dreams. I loved skateboarding ever since I found it. My brother um, had the Tony Hawk game. That's how I got into skating. And then I was like, man, there's something beautiful about this. I want to see what I can do with it. But it wasn't a normal thing like it is in California. I was one of like three people that skateboarded at my high school. So when it came to wanting to pursue a professional skateboarding career, I had to really trust God with that because the odds were stacked completely against me. Like no one had really gone pro out of Tennessee, maybe like one or two guys. And it was really just such a long shot, but that was where I just started to trust God and really lean into it. And as I started to develop my skills and really just commit that thing to God, he was able to open these doors. Like I, you talked about, I went to Woodward for high school and Woodward for those that don't know is a crazy action sports camp with, 10 different skate parks, everything you could imagine uh, for skating, BMX, rollerblading, and scootering. They have such an incredible facility. And I was able to go my senior year of high school there. And so that door just briefly opened for literally a year and a half. And it just so happened to be my senior year. And so that was in a crazy door that God had opened that I could take and develop these skills. I knew if I was skating and competing at a national level in Tennessee, once I got to California and could really train with those guys and skate on those different facilities and parks, I could take my skating to a new level. And it was just cool to see that come into fruition and God's hand behind me, just trusting him with a dream. Right. How old were you when you, when you started getting into the skateboarding? 
So I was like nine or 10. I was a little later than you see some of the three-year-olds out here dropping it on vert ramps. It's kind of crazy. Right. <laughs> I can remember one, I, I tried dropping it on a vert ramp on a skateboard once, one time yeah. and it did not go well. Like it was a, it was a very ugly scenario. Um, and I, I kind of went to BMX bikes after that. I just never, some about the skateboard, I just never could quite figure that out. What's crazy about it is I, you know, obviously wakeboard and wake surf and do all those different things behind the boat. But skateboarding just kind of escaped me. So you know, you mentioned like in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, you're growing up and you're one of three, your school. Now Knoxville's a, a bigger city than I think most people think. But, mm-hmm. you know, nine, ten years old, you're getting into it. You're you're looking to go elsewhere. There's not many things. Nowadays, it seems like there's skate parks all over the world. Like cities are putting in skate parks right. constantly. Do you see that growing? Do you, do you see the sport of skateboarding really growing? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what was cool, too. As I got into high school, we actually got a Tony Hawk Foundation built skate park in Knoxville. And so before that, it was just the little prefab, you know, you got a quarter pipe, a bank ramp and a kicker and maybe a flat bar. Um, But then we got an actual proper skate park um, right as I was going into high school, which was amazing. So and now when I go back, it's like we see more and more kids at the park every time. So it's really cool to see how much it has grown since that time and just skateboarding action sports. It's like people want something different. They want something new. And it's really cool to see, you know, it becoming more popular and gaining more traction in the public eye. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, your family and everything, they still live down in Tennessee. Uh, so I have an older brother. He lives in Alabama and then my parents are currently in Mississippi. Gotcha. So you guys are kind of scattered all over. So this journey yeah. takes you to California. You do Woodward, um, continue to grow in the sports and just getting bigger and bigger. And obviously you mentioned being the Southern Baptist and growing up in church. Um, you felt like mm-hmm. this was something different that, you know, you didn't want to do that same old routine, but God right. was with you the whole way. Like, tell us what that, I mean, it did you feel like you continued opening up doors and I know you're, you're so proud and so outspoken about your faith. And it's, it's one of the many things I think is so incredible about you to see athletes at the top of their game that, that really give the credit to God, right? That we live that mm-hmm. second life. So tell us more about your faith. And as you went through those steps, is there anything that pulled you away? Is there anything, you know, cause what a lot of our listeners don't understand, you know, as we see these higher levels of these sports, you know, there are some good quality believers in there, but there's also some crazy temptations that, um, you know, Satan's trying to throw at you and pull you away there. Have you, have you experienced that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll take it back to my faith, like growing up, um, like I mentioned, Southern Baptist and God bless the church. God bless everything that the American church is trying to do. But there comes a point where the church can't outdo God. And what I mean by that, I mean, the church as an organization, not a church as in the body of Christ that we're called as believers to create and build. And so it kind of was a weird thing with like some of my friends went to a Methodist church or some of my friends went to another church. And it was like, almost like not to, I don't want to say judgmental, but in a sense, it was almost like, Oh, you don't go to that church. You're like, there was just this weird stigma around what church you went to. And To be honest, the place I was most discouraged of pursuing my skateboarding dream was the church I went to and some of the leaders there. And I'm reading for the Bible myself and I'm reading, you know, 
Like to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can ask or imagine in Ephesians. And then I'm hearing that, oh, what are you actually going to do with your life? You can't really be a professional skater. I'm like, I'm not seeing the congruency here. I'm reading right. one thing, but I'm being taught another. And so I think it's it's a fine balance that the organization of a church has to do, but then the body of the church is called to create. And so how can we find that balance? It's a very delicate thing. And I think that's why a lot of people are just so tired of hearing, you know, church or Christianity and these different things. There's just been this weird stigma, I feel really in America that has tried to like, oh, if you're a Christian, you have to settle for this kind of life. But that's not what I read in the Bible when I'm reading these stories of these powerhouses that really took a chance, you know, took territory, took, you know, the call of God on their life and created it and made it a reality. And so that's what I really felt in my spirit. And I thank God that it didn't turn me away from him because I still had that relationship with him. And I think that's the beautiful thing, no matter what church you're in, like the biblical truths and the spiritual truths are going to work no matter what. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you, no matter what that looks like. Like me drawing near to God is going to be different than you drawing near to God. It's going to be different from other people drawing near to God. But as you continue to develop and just open yourself to receiving and not thinking that you've got it all figured out, God's going to be able to move really powerfully in your life and just reveal more of himself. And that's the beautiful thing. We're never going to be able to really capture the essence of who God is completely. There's always something new. His mercies are new every day. So we get to experience that newness every day. And I just want to encourage people right now, if you feel burnt out with church, if you feel burnt out with the organization style, it's okay. You know, you can figure out how you can just let the flow of God move in your life. Let the spirit come in and intercede on your behalf to just really develop you in that place and be like, okay, let's figure out where our structuring might be off. Are we trying to please God or are we trying to please man with this organization? Mm, And so I think it's a beautiful opportunity for us as believers. And then as it comes into the action sports world, that's when I really started to take, you know, my faith to a new level. When I was 17 and I moved out to Woodward, I left everything I knew. My family was back in Tennessee. They actually weren't there. My dad had to move to Oklahoma. It's totally a miracle and a God story because He moved to Oklahoma and got a job that covered my tuition to go to Woodward. Like he got a job that was the exact dollar amount more that he made was able to cover me to go there. So I knew God was calling me to it. And then I was leaving behind everything, you know, on this dream, on this hope. And that's when I started to take it from Sunday, Wednesday night to, all right, God, if I'm doing this, if I'm going all out, I got to trust you. And that's when I started to really read in the word for myself daily. I started to really pray daily and man, it's been so beautiful just to see it. And I think the most powerful thing, because you're you're talking about the temptations and of course, as an action sports athlete traveling all over the world, there's temptations that are all around us. And, um, the biggest thing that I had a struggle with was honestly pornography. That was my biggest crutch. That was my biggest weakness. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't party like that. When I was younger, um, I lost a lot of friends in that transition from middle to high school, uh, from doing that. Like I wanted to go to the skate park and skate all day. They wanted to go to the skate park and, you know, go hang out in the bushes and go smoke or drink or couldn't really care. But I'm like, no, from 9am till sunset, I want to be at the skate park working on my craft, making, you know, something happen. I knew I had to make that sacrifice if I wanted to trust that. And looking back, you know, I just see my friends that I lost in that time that 
are just so broken and beaten down by the world because they wanted to have that instant gratification of a moment of getting high or getting drunk. And then they were missing out on the actual fullness of life and really creating something beautiful with your life. Right. So, so many things in that you just, I don't even know where to start and all the things you just said. I just love how God always brings these things together and, and encompasses yeah. so many things that we hit on all the time. One of the first things, you know, Fast Life Ministries is all about relationship, not religion. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I tell people all the time, I have a home church here that we absolutely love. You know, I will be soon be a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God, not because because that's where I'm going to seminary school, right? Not because that's what I think is the whole thing. And and when we talk about that, you talked about the churches and and because your friends went to one church and you went to the other church and, you know, maybe judgmental is not the word or maybe it is, but I, I call it the Ford mm. Chevy Dodge thing, right? Like, do you drive a Ford? Yeah. Are you a Ford guy? Are you a Chevy guy? Are you a Dodge guy? You know, that's what it becomes. But anytime we give humans power or you know, humans have the ability. So basically we're humanizing God's word, right? We're taking God's word and we're making it human. We're taking, we're putting rules on it. So right. I love the fact that you touch on that. That's what we're all about. You know, have a relationship with them. You know, I love our church because I love the people there and I love the community. And as you go out and you branch out to go do your own things, I think it's really important to have that community. Maybe it's small groups that you meet in or just a, a group mm-hmm. of people getting together to do that thing. So that was the first part of what you said that I really captured and really love to want to drive home to those listeners is it's not yeah. about what church you go to. It's about being the church and being the body of Christ and having a relationship with Christ. The next thing you started to hit on is that, you know, going down that wrong road, right. And pornography struggle. So, um, not the episode that came out today, but the week before was actually Jim Tanner, um, was with us here and he's a sex addict coach. I mean, basically a counselor. He's got an incredible testimony. So I don't know if you had a chance mm-hmm. to listen to that one, but, that's something that's been big on us lately. And I think that the pornography piece is so hush hush on so many levels. Like it's, we're starting as a world, we're starting to become open to talking about addiction and alcoholism and all these things. But like pornography is, it's so apparent. I mean, we all saw what happened yeah. on the Grammys the other night. Like our world's going a bit crazy. Like we're canceling <laughs> Dr. Seuss, but we're allowing two girls to get on stage during a prime time television event. Like it's getting wild out here. Right. So right. stay close to God. Pornography is a big thing. You know, I I'm so glad to hear you say it. Another predominant person, a, a professional athlete, you know, action sports athlete said, you know what? Hey, I had a problem with that. And that was one of your biggest mm-hmm. crutches and you've overcome that. So, Tell us more about that. And then I, I want to hear, I, I read something after we talk about that. I, I read something about when you were injured that you really made it a point to not take the opioids that they wanted to give you. And that's huge. For yeah. My story is I, I'm an alcoholic addict. You know, mm. obviously I've been completely sober for over five years now. Um, and I right. feel that God kept me away from the opioids for good reason, because I would have been addicted to those as well. But I tell us more about that. Yeah, I'm definitely down to get into that. I mean, it was, I mean, outside of, you know, injuries or struggles, like that's the biggest thing to overcome, honestly, for me, because I think it's really powerful. And a lot of men, I mean, if you look in the world, I think the stats are like, in the 90% of men who struggle with pornography. And yep. even in the church, I think it's up in the 80% of men who struggle so, with pornography. So Jim in was church, talking about 
um, Jim Tanner, when he was with us, was talking about, I believe, actually pastors, and I think he said above 50% of pastors struggle mm-hmm. with pornography or have watched pornography this week. That's, right. that's daunting. And it's it's crazy. And and the biggest thing is like, you have to have grace. It's, it's the whole thing of he who is without sin cast the first stone because it's, we put these pastors on a pedestal mm. that they can't live yep. up to. And then when they fold and they crumble and they have something that happens, it's so heartbreaking because they feel like they have to put this persona on that they can't ever stumble. But the reality is the way a guy's wired is a beautiful woman comes into the picture and you're like, man, and and it just goes deeper and it goes deeper. But if we can take every thought captive and in the moment appreciate God for a beautiful woman, but not take it past there, that's an innocent thought of like, wow, God, you've created beautiful people. But when you take it further, what can that woman do for me? Or what can I get out of her? That's when it starts to go and Satan starts to twist it. So we think the temptation is in, you know, the billboard that's right there or the thing that's right there. It's like, dude, Instagram's all over the Mm. place. You don't even have to be following it and you're going to get hit. The biggest thing is not the temptation that's around you. It's the temptation that's inside you. Where's your heart at? I love when David and he, in that prayer, after he committed adultery, he's like, Lord, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because that pure heart is what's going to sustain us. That new spirit is what's going to give us the ability to overcome the next time that temptation happens. The temptation is going to be there. We live in such a fall and such a broken, such a sexualized culture that it's going to be all around us. We would have to literally live in a hole if we didn't ever want to see that. And so we've just got to be able to just trust God in those moments, filling ourselves up and having that thing. And that was really what I had to get real with myself. And I think the biggest thing for men, um, when it talks about he who sins sexually sins against himself, we as a man are called to protect and to provide. But when we sin sexually, we're not protecting anybody and we're not providing anything for anybody. And so what that does is that distorts in our own spirit we sin against ourselves at the deepest core and not to be selfish about it. Yeah. It's bad what we're doing to other people and other women, but also inwardly, if we're not going to be able to be filled and be whole, we're not going to be able to fill or help anyone else be whole. So that's where we have to come and sacrifice ourselves and trust God in that, you know, taking up our cross daily. And for me, that was a really hard thing to come into terms with because I'm feeling all this guilt. I'm feeling all this shame and I know it's wrong, but I can't break this thing because I'm not realizing the root of it is I'm actually sinning against myself and the call that God has for me to protect and to provide for a beautiful wife one day. And so once I was able to break that and just get the realization that, okay, I'm living so under what God's calling me to rule over. And if you think about it, it's really not any life-giving substance, you know, it's lust give or lust takes and love gives. And so we're taking this false thing. And I, I like to think about it like food, right? It's like, we're so hungry. We're so we need to be nourished in our body. There's a train going by. I hope it doesn't stop me. Um, we need to be so nourished in our system health wise, but we go to a drive through and then we're hungry 30 minutes later. Whereas if we go and get a nice nourishing meal, it's going to satiate us for the rest of the day. And so that's what porn basically is. It's like, you're trying to get that fix and it feels good for a moment, but then you feel so hungry later. And then you feel so shame. You feel so guilt. And it's like the enemy entices you so deeply with this poison. And then once you take the poison, he just tries to throw guilt, shame and condemn you all over the place. And I think the beautiful thing about Jesus 
And his biggest thing on sexual impurity is that woman that's caught in adultery. And he says, let him without sin throw the first stone. And then he's like, where are your accusers? Does no one condemn you? Then neither do I. And if we have that realization that Jesus isn't condemning us, we're only throwing guilt, we're only throwing shame, we're only throwing the lies of the enemy and trapping ourselves, that's where we can have freedom because we know that, yes, we stumbled, yes, we messed up. God's grace is bigger. We can never elevate our sin over God's grace. And that's what the enemy tries to do in my life with pornography. And once I realized that God's grace was bigger than my sin, I was able to get that freedom. Right. And that's that, uh, you know, that darkness pit that we've, we've talked about on many of these podcasts that you get trapped in the darkness and you get trapped in that mm-hmm. guilt and that shame. And it's exactly where Satan wants you to be. And ultimately it's your pride, like you, your pride that you're fighting against. Right. And your, your pride is making you stay in the darkness because you don't want to tell anybody else about where you are. Mm-hmm. Like you're afraid of it. So we escape those things by coming out and in truthful and saying, you know what? I'm Nick Oldorf. I'm an alcoholic addict who, until the podcast, didn't even tell anybody about the porn addiction that went hand in hand with the cocaine, right? So coming out on that set me free to a whole nother level, as I'm sure it did you as well. Like all of a sudden you're like, wow, like now I let that out. I've talked about that. I can overcome it because I've spoken it, right? Like I've given it yep. to God. I've spoken it out in a public forum. It's out in the open. The light is shining in on the darkness. And now I'm set free. So, so awesome to hear you talk about that. And hopefully the listeners, we keep driving that home and just trying to make a change in these young people's lives and, and old people's lives, everybody that's listening with us. And uh, mm. we hope that's getting to many people. Talk to us a little bit about that. The, you know, let's start with talking about Nitro Circus a little bit. So I know I've, yeah. I've read about uh, Travis Pastrana coming in and kind of finding you at Woodward. And, and yeah. do, tell us about that. It's uh, some exciting stuff for the action sports world. Yeah, this was insane. And again, another, I I just call them God stories. Honestly, that's what we have at our church. You know, every Tuesday morning, we have a prayer group, 530 AM and we go around and tell God stories for a half hour. Then we pray over each other, what we're believing for. So the God story of that was literally, I'm coming to the end of my senior year. I believe it's like March or April around this time. And I prayed a prayer I'll never forget. I knew I wasn't quite ready to compete at the professional level, but I knew that I had something to offer to the skateboard industry. I didn't know what that was. And so I prayed, God, if this is what you're calling me into, then open a door. I don't know what it looks like, but God, I just pray that you would provide something because I don't want to go back to Tennessee and try and figure things out. I want to stay out here in California. And I didn't know because I was, like I said, coming back to my end of my senior year, I didn't know where I was going to go when that ended. A week later or so, I don't remember the exact time frame, but I heard Travis was coming up with his wife, Lindsay, who's a pro skater. And she came up to train because he was racing somewhere near there. And he saw me skate. And before I even met him, he was already videoing. Like he was already filming me hang- skating through the hangar. And then I saw he was over at the foam pit and I was working on this the trick, the backflip finger flip at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go show him this trick, see what he thinks. And so he sees me start trying this. And he's like, dude, we've got to have you a part of our show. Like we we have a tour that goes all around the world. We're going to Australia in May. I want to have you on it. And I was like blown away. Like I'd always wanted to meet this dude. You know, he was like him, Tony Hawk and Dave Mira were the pioneers for action sports. I just wanted to meet the guy. And he's inviting me to become a part of, you know, his baby, his brainchild, the Nitro Circus. And so that in itself was just incredible. And then I get an email a week later 
that on my 18th birthday, I'm on a flight down to Australia for my first ever nitro tour. And it was just such a God moment, a God thing, because I've been able to travel all over the world beyond anything I could have ever asked or imagined. You know, obviously, like I'm one of the only skateboarders on nitro circuits. It's not really a skateboarding thing, but the way that I skate and the unique style I have fit right into their culture and was just able to bring all action sports around it. So it was so incredible. It's been insane. And like I said, we've toured all around the world time and time again, and it's just opened so many different doors and been such a beautiful journey to experience. Right. So always, I mean, obviously everybody sees the videos and the movies and uh, all the fun stuff. You know, we've been to some live events, my wife and I and the kids and, uh, and just cool stuff and people doing wild, crazy stuff. Everybody likes to see it. And we all know that people like yeah. to see the wrecks as much as the, the successes sometimes. But um, yeah. so something that as you travel around with that crew, like it always seems like great, you know, I don't know if you want to call it faith filled crew that most of those people are, but it seems like a lot of just good people. Like, I mean, is that the case? Were you able to take God with you through all of that? And was he, was he with you? Is he, you know, give us a little insight to what that world looks like at the Nitro Circus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my, one of the guys I really connected with early on was, um, special Greg. He did the special flip where you backflip off your bicycle, grab the seat and pull yourself back on. And he's a full on believer. And that was one of the beautiful things is we just connected right away and we, we started praying before the shows together and then, you know, guys would join and, and here's the thing, like when it comes to people, whether they believe or not, I have no right to say, I can only be sure of my own faith. And so some guys would come in and want to pray. Some guys wouldn't like, it was very respectful. And ultimately like, yeah, we would be like, Hey, we're going to pray for the show. If anyone wants to join some days, we'd have two of us. Some days we'd have 10 of us. Like it was a beautiful thing just to let it be known to be out there. And I think as a believer in a place like that, what does God call us to do? Let our light shine. And so by letting the light shine and just being that something different and just, you know, when these guys are going out partying and doing these things and, you know, feeling so much shame and guilt the next day and you're able to just wake up in the morning go explore the city and do something beautiful and have just a an inner peace i think that's the biggest thing that i've realized as i go out and skate and outside of nitro even in these big contests like x games bolorama all these park series all these places people just sense a different peace on me that before as I was starting to get in, they didn't really like, but now that I've been in the mix for a little bit, they really have a deep respect because they know they sense it. There's something about a believer you can sense when they're in a peaceful relationship with God, people don't understand it. And sometimes it's going to do one of two things. It's going to encourage people to look deeper, or it's going to turn people away that are going to mock and ridicule you. And it's gone from the mock and ridicule for a long time to now people just really respect it. They're like, man, I don't necessarily know if I believe what you believe, but I respect that you do so much. And I see the fruit of your life. Jesus told us to judge the fruit. And if I'm a believer, but my fruit in my life isn't beautiful, isn't something that someone wants to take and be nourished with, then I'm doing a pretty bad job of being a believer. And that's where it's beautiful. But we have to have that time and time again, because there's been times in my life, like when I was addicted to porn and struggling with that, that I wasn't producing good fruit in my life that I might be looking like it, but I'm still not producing the best fruit in my life. I had to get pruned of that. And once I got pruned of that, something else was able to grow through that. And so that's the beautiful thing as a believer and it's a journey. It's not like, 
we accept Christ in a moment and we're zipped right up to heaven. It's like, no, we get to live this thing out. We get to be pruned. We get to impact. And so I'm just thankful now, whether it's on Nitro Circus or X Games or whatever it is, it's a platform me, for me to just be who I am in Christ and let that light shine through me that others might see it. And I might speak a word. I might pray over a guy or I might just, you know, go help a guy that just got hurt in a different way than anyone else would. And that's what really just makes a difference is letting God just be God and you just be a, a vessel through heaven. Just let it flow down through you. I love Jesus's prayer on earth as it is in heaven. God's got something in heaven for us to deposit on this earth, but we've got to be open to receive that. So his will will be done. Yeah, absolutely. So love, love a lot of the things you say there. We talk about, often they talk about the Holy Spirit has an aroma, right? So like when you are in mm-hmm. spirits, like wherever you are, there's actually like a pleasing aroma to people around you. And then yeah. obviously, you know, darkness cannot exist within the light, right? So you shine that light and eventually um, it overcomes. So often uh, I've heard uh, some really, you know, creative elders and, and wise people tell me before that, um, sometimes when you walk into a room or you into that scenario, like maybe when you first entered into the professional skateboarding world and we talk about, uh, you know, maybe didn't feel like you fit in hundred percent or maybe they didn't like you. A lot of the times it's that your spirit upsets their demons. Right. And I think it's right. important for all listeners to, to realize out there, you touched on a little bit when we talked about pastors and putting them on a pedestal, but that's all of us humans, like all Christians, like we're sinners, like every one of us, we all fall short of the glory of God. So no man is perfect. We're all flawed. That all happened in the garden and we became sinners and now we're living with it, but we can repent daily. We can, Mm -hmm. you know, do our best to try to please God, to try to live a Christ like life. And that's why you talk about getting that person gets hurt and you be Christ-like, whereas a lot of other athletes might just turn the other cheek and walk away, you know, clap when the person stands back up or whatever it might be. But what are you doing in in your life to do something extra? And I I think there's a lot of people out there, probably a lot of listeners, a lot of people that live Christ-like lives and don't even consider themselves believers. You know what I mean? Like people that are just good quality people that have Christian principles, but don't call themselves a believer. I think that's another interesting side of this thing. So, um, you know, we also it, tell us a little bit about your motivational speaking career. I know you've we've been doing a lot of stuff. You got the YouTube channel going and stuff like that. How can mm. people reach you? How can how can people get in and find you? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on YouTube. Just search Beaver Fleming. We've got crazy skate videos, motivational videos, crazy videos of guys trying to roll down a hill on an office chair. Like we, we're doing it all, you know, just keeping keeping life fun. You know, I, I love and I try and just approach that in every day. It's like life is a gift that God's given us to really be enjoyed. And if a fruit of the spirit is joy, then we need to live in joy and enjoy every day. And so that's kind of like what I try and carry out throughout my days is like, okay, how can I just let these fruits of the spirit flow through my life? And so when it comes to how do I operate differently, it's like, that's the fruit of what a believer's life should look like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all these different things that are so beautiful 
that the world's really attracted to. And like you're saying, people that might not be believers are seeking after these things. But can you really truly give what you don't have? If you don't have the love of God, you can't give love to anyone else truly. You can't give true love. And we're never going to experience and be able to deposit the fullness of what love is because perfect love is what God gave to us on that cross. When he sent his only son, that whoever can believe in that would be saved. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And if we can just have that revelation in our mind, but in our spirit, we're going to be able to walk out in this world in a place of joy, in a place of peace. Though we might be walking through hell right now, there might be a pandemic. Our job might be taken away from us. Contests might not be happening. How can we still have peace in this situation? We can have peace by knowing that it's not the end of the world. God's still trying to do something good in this pause of a season in this time of rest and reflection. And I think, you know, we all know that whatever the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use for good. And I think when it comes to something like this, it's like, okay, the enemy is trying to shut the whole world down. Maybe we as believers need to really reflect in this time. Be like, okay, are we congruently living in action with our beliefs that we have? Are the actions of our lives day to day reflecting that we are truly a believer, that we truly have the love of God in our lives? And it's a time to reset and it's a time to be renewed. Be transformed by renewing your mind. This thing has to get renewed every day because there's so much junk in the world. So the practical things that I do are just really set up that time to just be in the word, to be prayerful, to to really minister to other people. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. And then the motivational speaking has been really cool because I'm trying to, what God kind of showed me, and I wrote the book Live at a Secular Place because it's to be a Trojan horse into schools. Um, When I had an injury, I had the opportunity to uh, be on the bench for a minute. And so I put all these ideas and principles that I learned and I typed them out into a book. And because it's really difficult and you're turned away like that to, go in and just say that you're a Christian coming into a school. I'm like, okay, well, let's just encourage people. What did God call us to do? He called us to live. I'm going to write a book about living and what that looks like. And then they're going to see what I do and how I live. And then the minute the gospel is going to minister to them in a different way. And the beautiful thing about that is it's been able to be really an amazing way to lead people in to what God has, because God is all about inspiration. God's all about motivation. You know, he looks at these people and he comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. What's more inspirational to you or us as a people? Like if our father, like our earthly father is calling us, you know, oh, you're a champion, son. You're amazing, son. That puts something on the inside of us. So if God's calling us a mighty man of valor, what is that going to do to you? That's going to cause you to change the way that you're doing things. That's going to cause you to really see yourself differently. If we can see ourselves the way that God sees us, that's where the motivational side comes in is like, okay, we need to remove the veil of all the lies, the wickedness, the deceit that the enemy is throwing at us, and then start to live out the truths that God's calling out of us already. You know, when he called Joshua and Caleb, he said, be strong and courageous. I know so many people that are like, oh, can you please pray for me to be courageous? Can you please pray for me to be strong? You're already strong. You're already courageous. God placed that inside of you. When God made you in his image and likeness, strong and courage were already inside you. You just have to 
unleash that thing. Let it go. Get rid of the lies that are telling you that you've been defeated, that you aren't strong, that you're weak. That's a lie of the enemy. He's the only one that's weak because he's already been trampled on. God already paid that price for us. So we can step into that in faith, knowing that he's already gone before us. And so that's, what's really beautiful. And I wanted to touch too on the opioid thing, because I know that you um, had mentioned that the opioids was kind of a no brainer for me because, well, God really spoke to me in that. And the research I've done, I'm really about longevity. That's my biggest goal. When people ask me, what's your goals with skateboarding? It's longevity. I look at guys like Tony Hawk. I look at guys like Bucky Lassick. And then I look at guys like Laird Hamilton in the surf industry. And I'm like, man, what are these guys doing that they're able to do it for so long? And I started to study their habits. Tom Brady. Like I look at these people that are not only great at what they do, but they do what they do for a long time. Tom Brady's in his forties and still winning Super Bowls. Leonard Hamilton's in his fifties and still riding bigger waves than he ever has. So I'm looking at these guys. How do they operate? What do they do? They really take care of their system. They really take care of the temple. And I believe as believers, that's one of our biggest gifts is if we can honor this vessel that God's given us with nutritionally dense foods, with taking care of ourselves, with developing strength, God honors that again. And so when it came to this injury, I was, you know, I obviously believe that God could heal in a moment, but I knew that this one was going to take up some time because God was trying to get something through me. And so when it came to this, I basically told the doctor to shred the um, prescription because I knew that if I didn't receive the pain, I wouldn't receive the quickening of the healing. Your Mm. body, if there's no pain, it doesn't know it needs to be healed. And I think that's really prophetic because if we don't know that there's pain in ourselves, if we're numbing ourselves by pornography, by drinking, by smoking weed, whatever that looks like, if we're taking these vices to numb something, we don't know there's pain. We can't get our healing. Yep. So my knee, if it didn't know there was pain, God's already so beautiful that our body is designed to heal itself. So when I had this surgery and everything was back in alignment, it was going to heal itself quicker by not taking those because my body's like, uh oh, there's something wrong there. I need to send blood there. I need to send yeah. blood there. I need to send healing there to make sure that things are stored. And so for me as an athlete and wanting to get back on my board sooner than later, I'm like, okay, do I want to delay my pain and delay my skating or do I want to embrace it and get through it so that I can get back quicker? And it, so that was kind of a no brainer for me, but I know it's such a crazy thing because you don't even know what half these chemicals are injecting you with or you know, taking in a pill form that are really compromising your internal system. And then we lose our health, we lose our vitality. But again, it's like God's always calling us to be health. I love in um, one of the books of John, it talks about, you know, I pray that you would prosper as even as your soul prospers, that you would prosper in health. And we have that ability. And like I said earlier, it's easy to take that quick fix of McDonald's or a painkiller, or are we going to actually go out of our way to make a nice meal for ourselves and nourish our system? Right. Absolutely. So that's it. Yeah. I love that you talk about the body being a temple and we put it to it. That's something that, you know, I've been really big on. We've talked about with, we had Tim Fulton on here and we talked about the Congan water. I don't know if you know Tim at all. Good, good skimboarder from down in California. Um, great guy and if you're familiar with congan water it's huge like even the water we put in our body is uh mm-hmm. super important and it's amazing the chemicals and the man-made stuff that we're 
putting in with the opioids and, and not to mention the pandemic that's created. It's been just a, a crazy world we live in and we're just always so grateful to get together with other people of faith and, and having you on here today has been absolutely incredible. If I could have you one more thing that you would want to say to anybody that's listening that may not be a believer or maybe they're on the mm. fence or maybe they're lukewarm, what do you want to say to that person that's mm. listening right now to that will maybe pull them closer to faith? I know we talk about you know, you said pick up your cross daily. I love the deny yourself and pick up your cross mm. and follow me daily. That's every that's every yep. day. So what do you want to say to those people? I would say the thing, two things. Number one, you have a relationship with God, whether you realize it or not. And number two, what my pastor, Pastor Jurgen Matesius of Awakened Church here in San Diego always says, you cannot behave your way into believing. You have to believe your way into behaving. God transforms us from the inside out. I'm not going to be able to like, oh, so many people are afraid. Oh, my life's too jacked up for me to say I can be a believer. But God doesn't care about that. He meets you where you are. As you start believing God's goodness and his love in your life, your behavior is going to change and you're going to step into the fullness of what he's creating you to be. We all have a destiny. We all have a purpose on the inside of us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. The enemy wants nothing more than to steal your dreams, kill your joy, or destroy your life. So if you're in one of those places where you feel like your dreams have been stolen, that your joy has been killed, you don't feel that joy, and that you're ultimately on the destruction of your own life, whether it be a suicidal thought, whether it be something crazy that you're just putting destruction in your life, you don't know why you keep repeating this cycle, know that that's what the enemy is coming to. That's the language of the enemy is accusation and defilement. He comes to defile you. He comes to torment you and he comes to enslave you. He wants yep. you to be wrapped up in all these things, tell you everything you're not. Yep. But God loves us so much that he wiped that all out through the blood of Christ. So if you receive that relationship with him, you have a relationship with God, whether you recognize it or not. It could be on the good side. It could be on the not so good side. Know where you're at. And if you want to, how do you have a good relationship? I'm, I'm engaged now. I have a fiance. If I want to develop my relationship with her, I spend time with her. I communicate with her. I cherish her. I honor her. When it comes to God, we have a relationship with God. I cherish God. I develop that relationship with God. I make time to communicate with God. You set up these things to make it something beautiful. That way it doesn't go south and become like another statistic. It's like, I want my marriage to be successful that I'm about to step into. So I'm going to make sure that I do everything in my power to make it beautiful. Same with the relationship with God. I want to make sure that I can do everything in my power to make it beautiful. I'm going to set up time with him. I'm going to take up that cross and I'm going to communicate with him. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be vulnerable. He wants you just as you are. So if you come to him just as you are with all your pain, all your guilt, all your mistakes, everything, he's going to be able to take that rubble and make it into something beautiful. So just release that to him. I pray for you guys. I bless you guys, believer or not. God is with you and he is for you. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And that's the most beautiful truth of who God is. Yeah, incredible. Beaver, it's been so awesome having you here with us today. We'll uh, close in prayer real quick uh, for all the listeners yeah. out there. We just come together bow our head and we just thank you lord god for this opportunity mm -hmm. to be together with our listeners and with beaver lord and just all the good works that you're doing in his life lord we just pray that you continue to bless his yeah. ministry lord continue to use us as vessels um, and let and you just be the oil to pour through us to mm -hmm. everybody out there that needs to hear your word lord god we pray all this yeah. in jesus's mighty name amen
Amen. Beaver, thank you so much. As always, everybody, fastlifeministries.com to give and support this ministry, to keep this podcast going and, and move us into this world. And uh, follow us on social medias and YouTubes, as well as Beaver Fleming. We appreciate your listening, and have a blessed day.